Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So we've got a really healthy show today. We've got Dr. Hubert, and he's the owner of the Advanced Remedy Center in Tyler, Texas. Advanced Remedy Center is an integrated health and wellness facility that specializes in musculoskeletal injuries, as well as thyroid health, digestive health, and weight loss. Dr. Hubert obtained his doctorate degree from Parker University in Dallas, Texas. He has been in private practice for 15 years is dedicated to getting sick people well and keeping the well people from getting sick. Dr. Hubert is the host of the Dr. Hubert Show podcast, and it's a health and wellness resource that's dedicated to inspiring and motivating you to live your best life. In his spare time, he's an avid hunter, fisherman. He enjoys following the PGA Tour, and we'll talk about that. And uh, you can always find him on Facebook and Instagram as Dr. J. Christopher Hubert. So thanks for joining me today, Dr. Hubert. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here today. Well, you know, and you do such cool stuff out there. It's really, you know, health has come a long, long way. And I think that I'm so happy to see we're getting away from the magic pill syndrome and we're getting more into the body and, and the brain and what's what's keeping you well. So what what decided got you going in this direction? So really what got me going in this direction is I uh, my mother actually got really sick um, when I was about 20, 23 years old. She got really sick. She developed uh, well as a spot in her lung that started out as a cancer and they went in and removed that spot and they told her that she had a 96% chance of being cancer-free after after her surgery to have that spot removed. It was a little bitty spot about the size of a green pea. And she was to go back to MD Anderson um, literally every four, every three to four months to do her checkups. And uh, within two years, she would go back every, every three months, I believe. Every three months, she would go do her checkups. And all of them would be clear. And then 18 months later... Um, 18 months later, she had over 600 tumors on her brain that wasn't there three months ago. And oh, my gosh. I got watched what happened, you know, in the current medical model. And, and from there, I just watched, you know, I, I watched what she went through. And all I could think is, if this is the best that medicine can do in America, there's something wrong with our system. And she didn't drink. She didn't smoke. She exercised regularly. She was a second grade teacher. She did a lot of the healthy things. And ultimately, she still died one of the most dehumanizing deaths I've ever seen. So that's really what got me on the holistic wellness path. And uh, shortly after that, shortly after she passed away, uh, one of my one of my uh, business coaches from way back, he came to our classroom. He was, I was actually six weeks into chiropractic school when she passed away. So it was a kind of a tough time in my life. I was kind of getting my head taken off academically just because it's tough. They try to they try to get their pity in pretty early. So it was pretty difficult there. And then uh, and then and then this this business coach, the guy that ended up being my business coach, came in and he basically said, how many of you are, are just miserable right now? You're exhausted. You're tired. You just don't know if this is worth it. And about half the room raised their hand. And basically, he said, you're going to feel this way until you find a purpose bigger than yourself. And I really went to that meeting that day just because I was too tired and too exhausted to go to lunch anywhere else. And he was providing free pizza 
But when he said, you're going to feel this way until you find a purpose bigger than yourself, that resonated with me, and it still resonates with me today. Fifteen years later, it's still it's still something that I'll never forget. Well, it's close to 20 years now. But uh, that's really what changed my path and changed my course and, and really why I try so hard to stay on the innovative, most cutting-edge uh, practices as far as holistic wellness goes. So you do a lot of different things there. And I love that because to me that just the more options you have, the better. And the more, you know, different ways that you come at things. You talk about digestive health a lot. And I believe I believe that the gut is the second brain. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I, I put together a little ebook uh, for this program, and that's exactly what it's called: is your your gut is your second brain. So I believe that wholeheartedly because um, most people, when when I say the word neurotransmitters, most people automatically think the brain. You know, they think all of the neurotransmitters are are in the brain, and I don't really know where that came from. I think it really came from. Um, all the introduction of the psychotropic drugs, and we just assume that when we have mental health issues that it's just a brain problem or a brain issue. But the reality of it is uh, the majority of the neurotransmitters and neurons are in the in the gut, right? And your serotonin, all the stuff that makes you happy and, and, and makes life worth living is all produced in the gut. So without a healthy gut, there's no way to have a healthy brain. Well, in a healthy gut, I mean, everybody says, I want that, I want that. But then you look at their lifestyle choices and their actions speak louder than words. That's exactly right. You know, I remember uh, I remember listening to a quote from Lee Trevino one time and somebody said, Lee, I would I would uh, I would give anything to be able to play golf like you. And Lee looked at that person and said, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't come out here and you wouldn't hit 5,000 golf balls a day for 20 years in order to play golf like me. So lifestyle kind of goes the exact same way. I mean, it does take a little bit of work, but it does pay huge dividends. There's nothing better than living a healthy life and a a life free of sickness and disease. But um, so many of people's actions day in and day out from what they eat to how they think to what they drink to the way they stress to all the things that we do repetitively don't really say that we really want a healthy gut, right? Right. So let's talk about diet for a little while because, you know, all my clients, it's now part of my symptom intake form is, you know, what's your diet like? And and I've seen some real, had some interesting conversations. So you, oh, I looked at your paperwork and it says you eat pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I do. So you like to cook? Huh? Do, <laughs> right. do, you, do you like to cook? Well, yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, do you cook often? No. Well, you say your diet's good. Where do you eat? Well, you know, I only eat at McDonald's like once or twice a week. And it, so it's how you interpret that what a good diet is how would you define a good diet uh i would design i would define a good diet of really thinking about the way the primitive human was i mean the primitive human was a hunter and gatherer so uh lots of fruits lots of berries lots of nuts um i'm i'm an advocate of protein obviously i live in texas so we we are kind of biased towards our protein uh we we still believe in our our steak and potatoes from time to time but i tell people all the time it's not the things that you do once or twice that end up killing you it's the things that you repetitively do so the people who live in the drive-throughs and eat the chicken fried steak two times a week and the you know and the fried fish and the fried chicken and all this stuff over and over and over again that's what gets you but a good diet really looks like more of a primitive mediterranean diet you want to be more heavily weighted 
towards the fruits and veggies, but I am I am not opposed to protein. I know some people out there they just believe protein's the worst thing worst thing there is as far as animal proteins. I am not one of those people, but I do believe that our consumption of protein is a little bit high on the high side for the most part. But the most important I think think thing people need to be aware of is their sugar consumption. Um, sugar is what's killing us. That's what's keeping us chronically inflamed. That's what's causing uh, our gut problems, our skin problems, our, our crippling arthritis. I mean, we're seeing sugar is the biggest issue. And, and not only just sugar, but things, to, things that turn to sugar very quickly, like our high glycemic index foods. Give us an example of that. Um, things like your crackers and biscuits and breads and grains, okay? So these are the things that are super high. Typically, when I'm, I'm looking at someone's diet, I'm looking at the things that have a glycemic index over 55. And if you've never heard of glycemic index, there's all kinds of good apps out there. Most of them are free. Don't buy one because there's lots of free ones. But you can get a glycemic index app, and you can put in the food that you're wondering about, and you're looking for foods that are 55 or less on the glycemic index index chart. So that's the rate at which things turn to sugar. How fast does it turn to sugar? And you want to keep those foods, like I say, 55 or less is where you're aiming for. That's really interesting because so many people think of sugar as cookies and sugars and everything. So many salad dressings it's in. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's understanding sugar is a lot harder than it used to be. It absolutely is because it's hidden in so many places. It's hidden in so many ways. And, and we've been kind of taught, we've been taught to uh, pay attention to calorie counting and calorie intake and that sort of thing, right? So, so we'll see foods that say zero calorie, no calorie, no sugar added, sugar-free. Those buzzwords, I call those buzzwords because as soon as you see those words, you should know that something's up. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to trick you into something because those, even though it may say zero calorie, no calorie, no sugar added, now what you're really looking at is you're looking at something that has an artificial sweetener in it, right? So it may not have any calories, but the problem with these artificial sweeteners is, one, they're artificial, but two, they're anywhere between two and 600 times sweeter than sugar, okay? So as soon as wow. they your tongue, as soon as they hit your tongue, your brain gets a signal that you're about to get a load of sugar that's two to 600 times greater. So instantly, your brain tells your pancreas to start making all this insulin. Well, insulin's the most powerful fat storage hormone, and now we got a whole, we've just created a whole big bunch of problems from something that said zero calorie, no calorie, no sugar added, sugar free. We thought we were making a healthy choice, and now we're really destroying ourselves. Well, it's interesting because I get asked a lot about, well, what diet do you recommend? And my answer to that is if it comes in a box, a bag, or a can, and it's going to be good for a couple of years, don't touch it. You know, go go as unprocessed as you possibly can. Right. I think the scariest products to me that are that are processed and refined and that sort of thing. I think the ones that anytime there's a dairy product that can sit on the shelf for years, I just have to wonder. I mean, and and we have to kind of look back and think about 20 years ago, if we got a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk or whatever may have you, it would actually rot and go bad. Now, if you look at how long these foods last, you can't really get bread to really mold anymore. So that just tells us how processed and how refined it really is. That's boy, that's really scary, you know. But if you don't think about your your brain and your gut as being interactive, then you're kind of missing the whole point. Absolutely. I mean, that whole that that gut brain axis. This is a real thing. I mean, it's all connected <clears throat> via the via the vagus nerve. Um, and and that 
understanding that axis and understanding that you can't you can't um, you can't have a healthy one without the other. And I think some of the places we see people who've had tremendous results, um, people that have had traumatic brain injuries or people with uh, maybe autistic children or things like that, when they've really gotten really serious about the diet, they've just seen so much improvement with their overall physical as well as um, as well as, cogn- as well as cognitive ability as well. Well, you know, you you do a lot of work, I know, or have started doing some uh, more work with weight loss. Mm-hmm. And th- it all starts with, you know, I have a favorite teacher, and she always says, abs are made in the kitchen. That's right. That's exactly right. So how, what's your approach to weight loss? My approach to weight loss is really, one, it, it, it really focuses on three things. I focus on getting people's hormones to where they work for them instead of against them. Okay, so... It's just inevitable that we are, we're all going to go through some major hormonal change. Typically, the biggest change is going to come between age 27 and 35. And typically, the change happens much more abruptly for women because nothing changes hormones faster than having babies or miscarriages. Okay, So a lot of times, I'd say the majority of my patients are women because they've got to this point in their life where it should be the greatest time in their life. They've got, got new babies and, and life is good, but all of a sudden... Um, their hair is falling out, they're cold all the time, they're gaining weight, they can't lose it, the exercise program that used to work isn't working anymore, um, they feel heavy, bloated, all this miserable, all these miserable things are happening, and it all relates back to hormones. So I focus on getting hormones working correctly, as well as balancing the pH in the gut. Gut pH is very, very important. We were taught so much about alkaline diets and that sort of thing, but we have to understand the importance of hydrochloric acid and understanding what hydrochloric acid in the gut actually does. So when I say hydrochloric acid, obviously it's very acidic, but but in turn, it really does, in turn, makes our body more alkaline. And I'll, I'd love to follow up with that here in just a second. And then the last part of the program is um, controlling yeast and fungal overgrowth. So as we age and as time goes on, yeast really becomes our ultimate enemy. Uh, we essentially start to kind of mold from the inside out. And I'll give you a prime example. Some of the, if you think about parents, grandparents, great grandparents, as they got older, you might have noticed some changes. Things like dry skin, dry scaly scalp, dry cracked heels, a white coating on their tongue. Um, even people who got to a point in their life where they really probably had the time and the money to do whatever they want, and they choose to do absolutely nothing because they simply don't have the energy to do it. It's because they can't sh- convert sugar to energy well. So all these things, even even the distinct odor that surrounds people as they start to get older. So I think everybody can remember going to their grandparents' house as a child, and there was just this distinct odor. That odor is not urine. That's not feces. That's people molding from the inside out. They've developed a cool body temperature, and that's another thing you'll notice when people start to age. They complain about being cold all the time because they can't convert sugar to energy well. So heat is energy. So if you're cold all the time, that's telling us we probably have a hormone problem to start with. So, um, but that distinct odor, that's that cool body temperature. They struggle to make hydrochloric acid in the gut, which is your body's disinfectant, which is really what gives you protection against viruses, bacteria, fungal overgrowth. But it also is what creates the soil or the environment for all your good bacteria to survive in the gut. Okay. So, um, Essentially, that's what happens to these people and starts setting up. So my approach to weight loss is those three things, getting the, getting the hormones working correctly, balancing the pH in the gut, and controlling yeast and fungal overgrowth. 
So is there some crossover between diabetes and weight gain? Absolutely there is, um, without a doubt. You know, and this is something that I see it all the time, and I have people kind of come at me sometimes, because if you look at the way diabetes is treated in this country, in my opinion, it's somewhat backwards, because they try to treat the sugar after it's ended up in the blood. But if you remember, 25 years ago, diabetes was considered an old people disease. Only old people got diabetes, right? I mean, that's, and we didn't have juvenile diabetes like we do today. Now I see nine and 10 year old kids all the time with diabetes. So in order to have a really good discussion about diabetes, we have to have a good discussion about hormones because ultimately if we can't carry sugar as well and burn sugar as well, eventually that sugar is going to end up in the blood, right? So that's where that's, basically the definition of diabetes is high blood sugar. So these two are tied together so closely, but rather than getting on a regime of insulin or metformin or any other drug for the rest of your life, because that's what most people do is they sign up for this forever, um, it would be much easier to consume less sugar and make sure that your body can efficiently burn the sugar that you're putting in, and that would solve the problem much more effectively. Well, you know, I saw a really interesting study in my practice. We use breathing um, as part of our our training when we're doing neurofeedback or anybody, everybody's overall health will, will improve if they can change their breathing. If you can get your breath rate to slow down, then you can slow your heart rate down. If you can get those two to dance together, then you can create heart rate variability. And I saw an amazing study um, for people with diabetes that with when they increase their heart rate variability, mm-hmm. how their overall health just got a lot better. A lot better. Absolutely. Um, breathing is probably probably something that's most overlooked. I mean, that is something that everybody can do. Uh, they can work on their breathing, learning how to breathe. I think most people just need to simply learn how to breathe um, because there is truly a technique to it, right? So, so learning how to breathe and using that at your, to your advantage, no matter where you're at with your health, everybody can benefit from proper breathing. I, I certainly agree with that. But, you know, it's so interesting because I have such a hard time getting people to do it on their own. They'll do it with me in the office. Right. And then I'll, you know, and I, whatever, if you don't like, you know, my focus on breathing is just your optimal breath rate is before between four and seven breaths. Mm-hmm. Get in there. If you'd rather do four by four breathing, I mean, we, people have different techniques. Would well, do it, just do it. Just and do I have, it, right? Yeah, yeah, just do it. But people won't do it. Right, right, right. You know, and it's 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 we see this all the time where people don't do it until their their back is kind of against the wall and they're they're really scared of dying or something worse, being hung in between life and death. But um, these are simple things that don't cost any money that can can definitely better your health. Well, and, you know, a lot of times people come in to see me with pain and I know they go to see you with pain. And and my response to the pain is I'm fo- pain lives in the brain. You right. know, I, I can't do the things that you do with muscle skeletal movements and stuff. But what do you find the most common trait for people with chronic pain? Oh, with chronic pain, depending on how how long they've been in chronic pain. But one of the things that I really work with before I even take one of these complex chronic pain cases on is I've got to make sure that the person really, truly believes they can be better. Um, 
um, just believing that there is there are better days ahead than they do they will heal and will get better and live the life that they want to live because pain has has a it, it has an interesting way of making people very submissive and making people just to the point where they just give up so um, that's the very first thing is they've got to believe they're going to be better at some point right uh, and I think that's with any treatment that's with any any procedure therapy whatever if, if you don't believe in what you're doing it's probably not going to work uh, one of my favorite books out there is Mind Over Medicine. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's in all these um, it's all these cases where people went to doctors for different things and they believed in the treatment they were getting, but for one reason or another, they didn't actually get the treatment that they were that they thought they were getting, but they got well anyway, simply because they believed in what they were doing. So uh, I think there is a huge psychological portion of that, just knowing that you're doing doing something that's going to give you the life you want to do and then once oh i mean get, go ahead i was just say that whole placebo effect yes it's it's so powerful i mean i've seen studies back in 2014 uh in the british medical journals well they did they did fake surgeries mm-hmm. and they yep. were just as effective as as the real surgeries I mean, that placebo effect is huge. It is huge. It is so huge, you know, and that so so if, a, you know, if your if your thoughts and, and your beliefs are that you're going to be sick, suffering, dying forever, that's that's exactly what you're going to get. But if you truly believe you're going to be better and not only better, but you're going to be better than ever, you're not just going to be back to what you once were, but you're going to be a better version of you. Um, if you don't believe that, I think everybody, including the practitioner, is, is pretty much wasting their time. I agree with you. I really and truly do. I mean, the power of intent is so strong. Yes. So do you try to use that power of intent in your practice? Absolutely. So you can ask, you know, any of my patients or anybody who's ever seen me for any length of time. And I am I am the uh, I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, I believe every situation is about to turn great. And I think it's nothing more than a another opportunity to to really beat all odds. Uh, I'm not I don't really get caught up in odds and all that stuff. I just I just know what I know. And I know that the human body is amazing and that when you give it the opportunity to heal, that it will heal. I mean, it's I've just it, it is it has. uh more than exceeded my expectations so many times. It is absolutely incredible what it will do when it's given the opportunity. Well, and that opportunity all starts in the brain, you yep. know, and that and that power of belief. And you know, some some people great get great strength from prayer, mm-hmm. and some people get great strength from just listening to very calming music. But it's what they they believe in their heart will calm them down. So it does. Yes. I mean, that is that is that is probably the most determining factor. And I can I've done this long enough now where I can almost tell how well a patient is going to do within about the first you know, 15 to 20 minutes of uh, a conversation with them. Because you can tell what their power, their belief in themselves is. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and I think that the belief in yourself is so much stronger than believing in a medication right. or something or, or even, you know, something that I can do for you here in my clinic. If you believe in yourself, it's going to magnify the results. Sure. And it's a it's a strong thing. You know, we talked about chronic pain and weight loss. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, do you see a lot of back people with back issues? 
I do. I see a lot of people with uh, back issues, back issues, neck issues. Um, you know, some sports injuries, things like that. So I've I've worked with with people with all of those type problems. And what what is your approach the same for regardless of the problem? Um, it's ne- never really the same. So we we have lots of different things we can do. Like I said, we we really try to stay cutting edge with what we do. We use uh, not only traditional chiropractic. I'm I'm kind of the old school chiropractor. That's what my formal education is in. I still believe in the chiropractic adjustment. I don't, uh, you know, I I don't know of anything that allows the brain and the rest of the body to communicate as well as the chiropractic adjustment. However. Uh, we do use red light therapy. I use class four laser, laser therapy. I use ozone therapy. I mean, I, I have a whole gamut of things that I use um, just depending on the case by case basis. So talk to me a little bit about red light therapy, because you know, I see that being used a lot in the skincare world. Yes, yes. So red light therapy, obviously, there's all these different wavelengths of red light. But what red light therapy does from a pain perspective is it causes the body to produce nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator. So it opens up blood vessels and allows more blood flow into damaged tissues, tendons, ligaments, um, you know, even bone. Once again, I spoke a lot about yeast. Uh, Yeast is a big deal. That's the number one thing our body's going to eventually fight as time goes on. It keeps us chronically inflamed, but most people don't realize that yeast waste is is exponentially more acidic than stomach acid. So stomach acid will turn your T-bone into soup, but yeast waste is far more acidic than that. So this creates chronic inflammation and keeps you keeps people in pain and hurting. But red light therapy actually causes your body to produce nitric oxide and starts to push uh, that yeast and yeast waste out of those areas and people feel better almost instantly. Wow, that's amazing because that anytime you can feel better immediately, that's going to increase your belief that's tremendously. Right. We live in a right now world, that's for sure. We yeah, like we, things right now. <laughs> we do. But I know that, you know, you also do, you do some IV drips. Um, mm-hmm. Does that produce the results immediately? So IV drips are interesting. So we have a, uh, I have a nurse practitioner that works for me and um, she, she basically comes in and she does all of our IV drips. It's not currently under my scope, but um, she does, we do high dose vitamin C and what's called Myers cocktails and ozone IVs and those things. Um, those, depending on the situation, depending on how sick the person is when they come in, um, usually the, the sicker the person or the more in pain or struggling, more, more the person struggling, the more it'll have an instant effect. For the rest of us, we just we just do it because we know it's a good thing to do. Yeah, well, you know, that's it, there's so much more that we could talk about around that, you know. But just knowing that there's different ways to come at things, that it doesn't necessarily have to come in a pill format, that it can be more organic. Um, I think just helps people to, to be more open and understand it's their choice. Whatever, it's your choice, you know, whatever therapy or treatment you pick, it is your choice. And I, I know you do a, a radio show podcast to kind of help educate people around that because so many people don't don't have a high level of understanding or they go on the Internet and they find something that they kind of like the way it sounds. So that's going to be their that's going to be the, what they follow. We're going to take a break. But when we come back. We can talk about so many different things that you do. We'll be back 
after these messages. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's words you never heard. Are you a cheese lover? then you would be called a quesophile. Cheese has been around a long time. In fact, the remains of cheese were found in Egyptian tombs over 4,000 years ago. The United States produces 25% of the world's cheese, while the largest consumer is Greece. If you're an average American, you'll eat 27 pounds of cheese per year. A cheese factory in Wisconsin is the only place still making the famously stinky Limburger cheese. The pungent odor comes from the bacteria that live in the rind. Apparently, mosquitoes are attracted to Limburger cheese. This could make anyone a tyrophobiac. That's a person who's afraid of cheese. They say it's the early bird that gets the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now, here is your host, Lee Richardson. So we left, and we were talking about IVs and how you use them in the practice. But, you know, there's other ways that they can be used. Do you use them like for vitamins? Yes, that's our primary. We do lots of IV vitamins um, at my office. And, and the reason we use uh, IV therapy is just be, by being able to bypass the gut, we're able to absorb our, our vitamins so much more efficiently. Uh, for instance, let's just take one of the most common ones, which is high-dose vitamin C. We can actually take and put 25,000 milligrams of vitamin C. We can actually put up to 100. We typically start with about 25,000 milligrams. We can go all the way up to 100,000 milligrams. But um, but if you tried to do that, if you tried to orally take that many, typically after about 3,500 milligrams of vitamin C, you're just going to get really, really, really bad irritable bowel, diarrhea, that sort of thing. So by bypassing the gut, we can actually get a whole lot more in the body. It absorbs a lot better. Most people don't realize it, but typically you only absorb about 37% of your oral vitamins. So when from an efficiency standpoint, 37% is not all that great. I'm not saying they're, they're worthless or that you should stop taking them because I still take them daily. But um, by doing them via IV, it's, it's much more efficient. So for people that have, you know, chronic issues, then that's really a way that they can up their game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chronically ill people who have maybe underlying viruses. I mean, the viral load is something that is is not talked about nearly enough, because when I say viral load, most people, you know, they have no clue what I'm talking about. But I mean, we carry about eight million viruses all the time. I mean, so 
and kind of gives people the eebie-jeebies when they think about that. And not all of them are bad. A lot of them are good. A lot of them do a lot of good things. But um, just understanding that a lot of times some of these bad viruses will lay dormant until we're immune compromised and they really start to create major problems, which when we become immune compromised, things like chronic stress, dramatic events, um, um, well, so how about the last 16 months? Yeah, exactly. There you go. So we're seeing a lot of this stuff come about, um, you know, which people with people have been in a not just a sympathetic state, but a heightened sympathetic state for 16 months. And the sympathetic state should be it should be an on off experience when it happens. But here we found ourselves uh, living in it all the time. And, and it just it destroys us from the inside out. So I saw on your website, you meant you, a button that says regenerative medicine. Uh-huh. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so we do uh, we do PRP injections. Um, basically, what happens there is platelet-rich plasma. So what we're able to do is we're able to draw the patient's blood. And uh, when we draw this blood out, um, we take it and spin it in a centrifuge. And when you spin blood in a centrifuge, it separates out into three parts, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, the platelets. We're able to draw these platelets off and basically re-inject those platelets into the area that is damaged or hurting. And it creates an instant immune response and kind of lets the body know, hey, there is a problem right here. Let's get, let's get the blood flow and the nutrients headed here to get this, this area healing. So it, it basically jump starts the body healing. It really doesn't come any more natural than your own platelets. So uh, it's a great holistic procedure. How many people do you utilize that? Oh, we've been at it a long time. So we've done lots of lots of PRP injections for, you know, for knees, hip, back, uh, shoulders. I mean, we've we've kind of kind of worked all around. So uh, I don't have an exact number, but uh, whenever but a it lot. Fits, yeah, but a lot. Yeah. Whenever it fits. Um, I will say, though, that the, the class four laser that we're using now is just as effective or more. And uh, it's actually less invasive. Uh, class four laser has is 15 years of practice. This is the most phenomenal thing I've come across yet. Well, tell us about that. So basically what happens is what we found is anytime you damage a tendon, excuse me, muscle, ligament, bone, nerve, uh, that it becomes a breeding ground for yeast. And like I mentioned before, yeast is very inflammatory. Yeast waste is very inflammatory. And what happens is this it becomes this breeding ground, which is just kind of causes the chronic pain just, just over and just never really lets up. And what we're able to do is come in with this class four laser, which is it feels like a mild hair dryer. And basically, um, just feels like a warm hair dryer blowing on your skin, but it causes your body to instantly p- produce a tsunami of nitric oxide to that area, brings in a whole bunch of blood flow to that area, pushes the yeast out, pushes the yeast waste out, brings a whole bunch of nutrients and blood flow in, and it works almost instantly. I can all but guarantee a person's pain is going to be at least 50% better after one treatment. Typically, it takes three to four treatments to get somebody 100% where they want to be, but um, non-invasive, no needle involved, um, and there's a real chance for you to be worse, which is great. To think that I could be 50% better if I was in chronic pain after one treatment, that's mind-boggling. It is unbelievable. I mean, of all the things I've, I've seen and played with and worked with and, and, and tried throughout the years, because if it, if it made sense to me throughout, my, I've always been on that cutting edge, innovative side, even if it meant integrating my practice and bringing in people who could do things that weren't under my scope. Um, 
for me, it's always, I've always been on that side where I just wanted to be the first one. But if it made sense, I've tried it. And this is by far the most impressive thing that I've seen yet. That's so good to hear because as we age and you know, the fastest growing age group is a hundred plus. Right. And, and right. as we age, we're going to have issues. It's just, it just happens. And the thing that scares me the most is the word surgery. Yes. It's frightening. It is. It, it's in, in interesting thing about class four lasers. I'm actually starting to get a lot of referrals from surgeons because people will go and have surgeries and they'll go back for their checkup and they'll tell their doctors like, doc, I'm not any better. I still hurt. And the surgeon will, you know, do another exam, sometimes do more MRIs or, or CTs or whatever they need to do. And it'll be a textbook, perfect surgery. And they tell the patient, look, everything's great. It's beautiful. It couldn't have went any better. And the patient's sitting here telling doc, look, it could have went better because I'm still hurting. So you have this battle back and forth, you know, and the, the, the patient's getting frustrated with the doctor and the doctor's getting frustrated with the patient. But that yeast component that I keep mentioning over and over and over again is never really addressed with surgery. So even though the surgery went textbook, that level of chronic inflammation from the yeast and yeast waste is still there. So we can go in behind the surgeon and basically clear all that out. And then the surgeon looks as, looks brilliant and the patient's out of pain and able to go live their life and do what they want to do. So it actually works very well. It's a great synergy. Yeah. I mean, it's that just hearing that gives me hope. Right. I mean, I mean, obviously in a perfect world, we would like to see someone before they, because we have saved, I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of surgeries just with this class four treatment. But, um, you know, sometimes it's after the fact. Um, and um, actually, if the listeners go to my podcast week, week 19, I believe I interviewed a guy that we worked with and uh, he had had multiple surgeries that he thought were botched surgeries because his quality of life didn't get any better from any of them. And after one class four laser treatment, he came in with this big he had this big stick and the guy was about six, nine. He was a really, really tall, big guy. When I met him, he was 6'9", 403 or 404, and he had this stick that was about five feet tall that he had to use to get in and out of a chair. Up, and, I mean, he everything he did, he had to use this stick, and it was all he could do to, to, to get out of a chair, go from a sit to a stand, standing position. And after his first class four laser treatment, he actually forgot the stick in the treatment room. He walked all the way to the front of my office, which is eight and that's pretty amazing. You know, when you see something like that happen, um, that's very, very impressive. I can't, I'd very love impressive. to see that. So, uh, go to the podcast app and uh, we can see 19 and uh, just a fantastic story. We did a full year with him. Since then, because he was able to get moving, he's actually, I believe he's lost 144. So, a lot of. Wow, that's and you know how much better you got to feel just being able to get up and and move around without that stick. Yeah, and he it told me I didn't realize it, but he I didn't know it until until I actually interviewed him that uh, he prior to coming to my office he had two sticks. He was using two of them. He was just embarrassed to come in, with them, so he just brought the one that day. And uh, I didn't I didn't think when after the consult the original consult was over. I didn't know if he was going to be able to get out of the, the seated position to a standing position just to go to the treatment room. I mean, that that's how bad a shape he was in. And then 15 minutes later, he was at the front of my office and 
had to send his sister back to the back of the office to get his stick because he he forgot it. Wow. So you know, we talked we've talked about the class for a laser. We talked about IV therapy, but you do do some some traditional chiropractic care Absolutely. as well. Yes, I do. Um, there's there's really, in my opinion, chiropractic is one of the greatest gifts that was ever put on the planet just as um, you know when you look at the, the really the history of chiropractic and and what the purpose was when when D.D. Palmer uh, founded chiropractic I mean his goal was was basically to work in in mental institutions that's what he was trying to do is help the mentally ill and most people don't realize that most people think of chiropractic as just neck pain back pain headaches but he was actually going into mental institutions way back when and helping people where medicine had just failed and basically written them off because that was the solution way back then was to just kind of lock them up and kind of forget about them. And um, obviously he was jailed over and over and over again. And then his son kind of picked up BJ Palmer, which is the developer of chiropractor chiropractic um, picked up where he left off. And that's what he did. He worked a lot in mental institutions and was trying to help, help sick people get well. And that was, that was the primary purpose so it's far more than just neck pain back pain headaches um you know we work with a lot of i see a lot of babies i see a lot of a lot, a lot of babies that are you know, weeks old sometimes with um with digestive issues colic issues those kind of things that we're able to help with chiropractic chronic ear infections i just had a baby yesterday that came in with chronic ear infection was already doing better today so that's pretty exciting that is exciting so what do you do for the ears so the ears i mean we're, we're, that relationship between the the atlas and the axis as well as the oxus, the, the the bone at the base of the skull or the, that makes up the base of the skull um when we have to really kind of back up just a bit think about that the birthing process is probably body will ever go and let your a major accident, um, you know, unless you fall or get hit or, or something in a roundabout way, pulled by your head, because now, now more than ever, uh, we don't really have baby God citizens have baby not all schedule and. We're in this Thursday. What happens? Um, so, so no matter whatever it takes, get this baby out. But all that pulling, tugging, you gotta understand. All at that point, at that time, for all uh, now we're pulling, twisting, tugging. One to get shifted and moved out of place. They put on. Okay. And I start bones and get these position. Now spinal cord, now the nerves, to every cell tissue in the body. Chris. Yes.
Roy? Or Ben, okay. So, I mean, he's been breaking up pretty bad. Is he on the phone? Okay. He's He's been breaking up pretty bad for a little while. I don't know how far back that we need to go. Do you? Okay, so we just need to restart the baby conversation. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Hello. Are you there? I'm here. Hello. 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 I can hear you. Are you still with us, Ben? Okay. So you were you were cutting out pretty bad. And it, it was as soon as you started talking about babies is when it when it kind of all dropped. Um, so if, if if you just want to pick up that baby conversation, um, or should we go back to because we were talking about the earache and the baby, right? So, Chris, are you? Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Perfect. Can you hear me? Okay. Now? Yeah, we can. So, okay. we're going to go back and we're going to restart the baby conversation. And would it be wiser to, to kind of just restart the, the earache? Um, let's just restart the baby conversation and, and they'll clean it up and make it work. Okay, perfect. All right, were you ready? Yes. So you had talked about a, a earache and a little baby. How do you treat that? So basically, in order to in order to understand how to treat it, we have to understand how it how it got that way anyway. Because we think of babies as coming into this world, these little perfect angels that we couldn't wait to get here. And there's a lot of truth to that. Um, obviously, having a baby is is an incredible miracle. It's a beautiful thing. But the birthing process is probably one of the most traumatic events that the human body will ever go through. I mean, you think about, especially today, because um, 50 years ago, people would have babies whenever God said it was time to have a baby. Now, what happens is we're getting induced at a certain time, certain date, and that's when the baby's coming, period. So what they use is uh, suction cups, tongs, forceps, all kinds of things to tug and pull on these babies' heads. Well, one of the things we have to understand is that all of the bones in a newborn baby are basically hollow bones, okay? So they're not solid. So when we start twisting and shifting and moving those bones out of position, it starts to create what's called subluxation or create interference between the brain and the rest of the body. So the brain is basically, it is sending signals constantly from the, uh, down the spinal cord, out the spinal nerves to every organ, cell, tissue in the body. And this is, this is what gives us life. This is the way the body functions and heals and, and does what it's supposed to do. But when these spinal bones get shifted and moved out of place, it puts pressure upon those nerves and breaks that communication between the brain and the rest of the body. Sometimes it causes pain. Sometimes it doesn't. 
but other times it causes other problems. It causes it can create respiratory issues. It can create digestive issues. It can create um, even um, motor of cognitive issues. So by getting these baby spinal bones back in alignment, it's not like the adjustment like like that are so popular on YouTube where people have the amplifier up underneath the adjusting table and you hear this big rip and crack. It's not like that. It's very gentle. It's very we take our time. It's nice and slow. The baby actually loves it. Most of them are three quarters away, if not all the way asleep by the time it's over. It feels good. They usually give you a big sigh and a big yawn, and they're pretty thrilled to be there. So it's a pretty awesome experience. That's pretty cool. So do you work with animals? I personally do not work with animals, but um, you know, chiropract- the chiropractic profession has come a long way with animals. In fact, when I was, uh, when I was in chiropractic school at Parker, the dean of academics, he, he's actually a vet. Um, he graduated from Texas A&M, and he was in the process. And by the time I graduated, he actually had it up and going. But the animal chiropractic program is a huge, huge, huge success. Um, so lots of chiropractors, lots of veterinarians go and, and get their certification to work on animals. And uh, it's just a huge success. And same way, I mean, animals have have spinal bones, and when those bones get out of position, I mean, I've seen it over and over again where someone's dog or cat, their rear legs wouldn't work, or they had a hearing problem, an ear that wouldn't drain, kind of like the babies do. And uh, after after chiropractic uh, chiropractic adjustments, they they get much better. That's so interesting, you know, because healthcare has just changed so much. Uh, it, it, there's so many different th- ways that we can come at things. And I treat my dogs just like I do my kids now that my kids are out of the house. So, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, big thing with the animal chiropractic now is, uh, the horse world, the horse world has caught on to it. And, uh, especially in the performance horse world, uh, whether it's, uh, the barrel horses or roping horses or, uh, the hunters and the jumpers, the, the English style riding, um, nearly all of them are utilizing chiropractic care just to make their horses, one, um, recover faster, and number two, perform better. That's great. That really is. Do any of the other things that we've talked about, like the class four laser or the IV therapy, is that used with animals? Oh, yes. Yes. It's a, it's very popular. So big, you know, it's awesome to, to watch what's happening because, um, Proper nutrition, pop, proper recovery, red light, class four, all these things are showing up in the in the horse world. Uh, I think, I do believe that uh, that cold light laser was probably first used in, on animals before it even really made its way to humans. But I know it's been a big part of the uh, big part of the equestrian world for a long time. They're using a lot with vibration platforms and all kinds of holistic procedures now to uh, just to, to allow the the animals to have a better life and perform at a higher level. That's great. So there's just, you've opened my eyes to so many options that are available for adults and children and animals and, and we need them. That is for sure. Because I think that the more toxic everything gets, um, the more it's going to affect us. Right, right, right. Yeah. So so I, I, I have several friends in the horse world that, you know, they've even kind of taken it to, they're wondering why their performance horses have chronic injuries now more than ever. And it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing we're seeing, but with, with everything that's happening, uh, one of the things that has happened is kind of like our food supply has just gotten to be where everything is about sweet, 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 sweet. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of that in horses where uh, a lot of diabetes and those kind of things has shortened the career of some of these, these very, powerful, valuable animals. 
Wow. Well, you know, there, we've talked about a lot of different things. What would you like the takeaways to be, you know, for people that have listened to the show? What would you like them to have, you know, their, have their takeaways that they can maybe integrate into their own daily life? Right. So I think I just encourage people to really do their own research, right? So do their own research on their condition and then figure out, you know, put together your own network of people um, that can help you. That's not just all about a pill because we've been trying to, we've been trying to swallow pills and medicate our way to health for about the last 60 plus years. This has just been the this has been what we know as mainstream medicine. I mean, it's just pills, 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 pills. And one of the things we have to understand about pills is that, you know, the, the United States only makes up about 5% of the global population, but we consume 80% of the pills in the whole world, right? So if pills were really going to be the answer to our problems, our problems would have been answered by now. And the healthiest people I know actually take the fewest number of pills. And the sickest people I know take the most number of pills, right? So we think about parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. You know, these the ones that are taking nothing typically have a pretty good life. The ones that are taking sometimes 30, 40, 50 different pills a week, um, it, they're struggling. They're not, they're not doing nearly as well. So remember that lifestyle, I think if I could say one thing, lifestyle supersedes everything. So if you need help to learn how to live a good lifestyle you know that's what that's what i'm here for that's that's what you're there for right so that's this is what this is all about is to really put uh lifestyle on on the on the on the windshield and not have it end in the rear view right because so we can always look back and think about all the things we should have done but what are we going to do moving forward that's going to give us a better opportunity to live the quality of life we want to live yeah and that's what we all want uh yeah, that, I mean, you can ask anybody what their goals are, and basically, it's to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, That's exactly right. And I'm I'm accessible. You can find me, um, the doc, Dr. Hubert on uh, Dr. J. Christopher Hubert on Facebook is my professional page. I'm also going to leave a a little ebook there that talks about gut health. There, you just click on it; doesn't cost you anything. Um, and then um, the podcast, I, I do a weekly podcast. Hopefully, we'll be able to share this show on the podcast as well. But um, you know, there's lots of resources out there that that that's all we're out to do is just to uh, just to help help people think on a little deeper level and realize that there is a way to overcome virtually anything. Unless you were born with it, I'm going to say 99 percent of the time you probably don't have to live with it. That's an that's an amazing fact right there, because sometimes we we get we get a disease and then we start to self-identify. Well, I can't do that because I have asthma. I can't do that because I have this. So just knowing that anything that you have developed can be in, to some degree altered, that's that's amazing. That is. That's that's exactly right. Well, in the last minute that we have, you know, just to kind of summarize, because we've talked about four words. What's cold laser? What's it best for? Uh, pain. Okay. We've talked about IV therapy. What's it best for? Um, chronic illness, underlying viruses, uh, bacteria, fungal infections, those kind of things. Cool. And just general chiropractic care, what's it best for? Oh, chiropractic care boosts your overall immunity, helps with pain, discomfort, but also just helps you maximize your body's ability to live the best you can live. Well, thank you so much for that. That was like a, 
a three-hour class in, in about 55 minutes. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio,